Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode four of season two. And you're probably noticing at this point, we have a little bit of a new theme, I'd say, for this season. It wasn't purposeful at first, but now we're making it purposeful. Really just trying to dive more into the psychology of sales and like sales and marketing leaders, right? A little less of the tactical how-tos, but like how do you more successfully work with your sales leader or marketing counterpoint every day? Today, we want to talk more about better understanding sales and marketing leaders by talking about what motivates them, right? Like, I think it's really easy to better work with someone if we understand why they get up every morning and do their job. And we could not have a better guest today. We are bring back guests to talk about this. But what makes sales and marketers tick than someone who's basically been an all-star in the industry for years now? So today we have a friend and fan of the podcast and just crazy impressive sales leader on the show, Dia Costa. If you're not familiar with Dee, he has been in high up sales positions at impressive SaaS companies like Metadata and Hockey Stacks, and now is the director of sales and strategic growth at Motigy. Just curious, like what gets you excited about this topic of sales and marketing and what motivates them? When I started, marketing didn't have as much influence on pipeline in the business as it does now. And now because marketing can drive so many conversations besides, you know, buying leads, it's essential that sales and marketing get along and work together. It's tough, right? You're dealing with different motivations, different personalities, different metrics. You know, sales typically has a very hard number over their head that follows them and never leaves. And marketing sometimes can just be given free reign. And I'm not saying all marketers. If there's a lack of alignment there, you're going to see results and you can get away with it for a while, but it will eventually catch up with you. I'm fortunate, fortunate to have gotten along with almost all the marketers I've worked with. I've worked with some great ones. It's funny, as much as this podcast is all about like how much sales and marketing doesn't get along, most of the guests we bring on like say they've had good relationships. I think you, know, you have to address how hard the other person's job is. Uh, sales is very hard for the, you know, everybody knows marketing is hard too. We're seeing marketers, uh, you know, fortunately be, you know, victims of the contracting economy with tech or you know, whatever we want to call it, the correction after COVID. And I think it was Lemkin said it, you know, sales can pull out a miracle Q4, but marketing, if there's nothing there in Q4, no miracles happening for the marketing side. So yeah, it's, they're, they're both very difficult jobs. Marketing is the one role that has meetings for meetings. You know, they, they're going to have a meeting to prep for a meeting. But yeah, I, I empathize with the role. There's good and bad to both. There's good people and bad people to both. Like I could tease Ben. Uh, ben, I'm sure you're out of work at like three and on Fridays and uh, <laughs> you've got like uh, like a mini bar to your left. And I'm just kidding, man. No, I completely agree, D. It does come like the sales piece of it. Like I always say like when people ask about like work-life balance and kind of like what working in sales is like, it's a blessing and a curse. Like if you're slaying it, you're crushing your numbers, you're doing all the things you need to do. You are basically like your own mini business. You have full autonomy and that's definitely how I treat my team, right? Like do the things I ask you to do, crush your goals, crush your numbers. And then outside of that, like, I don't care what you do. I don't care what hours you work. You can work from the moon if you want to, as long as you're doing the things we need you to do and crushing your goals, you have a lot of freedom. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm like, I'm fueled by neurosis, you know, <laughs> like the fear of failure. And, uh, you know, you see these questions and somebody's your deal doesn't know this. And I'm like, dude, everything you got to, everything is a risk. Don't take anything for granted. I remember a few years earlier, there was a big deal that was supposed to come in. And at the, you know, the 11th hour, and I should have known better, didn't come in. And, uh, you know, I was just devastated. You know, it must've been like my late thirties at the time, but at that time, I was like way past my number too. <laughs> I was at like 
2 million and I'm like worried about the 70 K deal that was supposed to come in, but it just, you know, we're all motivated different. There are salespeople who are motivated by money. They tend to be successful. They tend to burn a lot of bridges too, but it's good to be motivated by money on some level in, in your sales. And then there's a lot that are motivated by accomplishment. And I think, you know, I hope these resonate with you. For me, I've always been motivated by, you know, the fear of failure and just neurosis over what can go wrong primarily. Yeah, I could go into more of that. I don't know, Ben, what do, what do you see with sales reps? Like what, what motivate you and your team? So this will not shock anybody at Nevada and my team specifically, but similar to you, D, I am definitely motivated most by winning. Just a drive and a passion to always want to win. So it's kind of in the same vein of like scared of losing, you want to win, kind of the same thing. But what I think one of the biggest challenges is as a sales leader compared to an IC, going back to what I hinted at a little bit ago, like when you're an IC, in a lot of ways, you're, you're kind of your own company. You're kind of your own business. You're in charge of your own quota. People generally like leave you alone. You're just kind of heads down, blinders on, get to my number. But like as a sales leader, something that's been a little bit challenging and, and unique for me and also very motivating is I'm no longer just in charge of Ben. I'm in charge of every single person on my team individually, their number individually, and no longer do I only have to worry, stress, or get excited about how is my number or my target going to progress. I'm now in charge of that for multiple different people. And then those multiple people like on my team, they are all maybe motivated by different things or the way I try to motivate them needs to be a little bit different. So it's really fun. It's very stimulating that I basically, you turn into like a full-on basically people person, right? Like my job and the way to have the most success with my sales team here at Nevada is to figure out through and through what motivates my team, how to give them the, the best feedback, how to best support them. And so it's been a little bit of a transition going from like a very selfish-minded Ben of like, it's just me and my number to now it's my whole team and there's multiple people here and I need to be able to context switch very quickly between one-on-ones and how I talk to this person is different than this person and to motivate them. So I think for me, the motivation is number one, always wanting to win. And then the other piece of this too is the consistency piece in sales, right? We always talked about this. I have an athletic background and I remember a coach telling me one time, like the way he evaluated players is take away the best season that player has ever had, take away the worst and everything in the middle is who they are. And for me, what I tell all of our reps is blowing your number out of the, out of the water is cool. Like that's fun. But what I don't want any of my reps to be is 170% to one quarter, then the next quarter, 85%, then 130, then 70. I want consistency quarter over quarter. And so I think it's just a constant challenge and motivation of, hey, we just set another record setting quarter at Nevada last quarter. Let's go do that again. Now that's what we need to break this time. So I think the consistency piece is a huge motivator for me. The other thing too, that I would recommend for any sales leaders, especially at like a smaller stage startup like Nevada is, is, and I think this is probably a misconception, Natalie, that marketers have of salespeople. And maybe it isn't fair to call it a misconception because generally speaking, it's probably true. But what I try to stay away from when hiring salespeople at the stage of company we are at Nevada is any sales rep who's exclusively motivated by money. Because what we're doing at Nevada is we're focusing on building a brand. And if you're like a publicly traded company or a series D company and you have a sales team of 50 or 100, you're just looking for someone who comes in who's really motivated by those accelerators and cash and like an amazing like OTE and all that stuff. That's not really what we need. We need someone who's going to come in and execute at a really high level. But at the end of the day, always putting Nevada and our brand and our long term vision over my check, my compensation. And that's a tough balance to find. And I'm not saying that's an easy hire to make. But I was chatting with another company who's about to make their first founding AE hire this week. And that was my biggest advice to him was, you know, you have to go find someone special who, yes, you have to comp them very, very well, but they're more interested 
around the brand and building the business at that stage than just like how much OTE can I get? Yeah. Question for you both. How do you vet for that? It's tough. That's what the guy asked me earlier this week too. I was like, I don't know. I will say that there are signs, right? Like the people who are motivated by money also like showing the money off. And like you said, Ben, they can be fine at a, you know, 50 person sales team. I've seen them do really well, even on small sales teams, but it never ends well. Like it never ends well. Client gets upset. There's an argument, you know, sketchy stuff goes on. The bigger companies can get that, but yeah, it's a tough one, Ben. Like, like the questions they ask in the interview, yeah. right? Like when it's their yeah. turn to ask questions, if they're like, Hey, talk to me about the comp structure or like how many PTO days do I get? Or like, if there are a lot of questions about like themselves, which is totally fair, right? I'm not saying like, don't ask about comp or any of those things when you're going through the interview process, but I'd be much more motivated. And we think about the people that we hired at Nevada. A lot of their questions were, where do you see the company in two years? Like, what's the next biggest product you're building? Talk to me about your competitor. So it's much more about like the brand versus like, how much money can I make? I agree fully with that. I just, my best practice would be ask all those questions. <laughs> Yeah, I'd still default to, hey, what kind of watch do you have? Uh, what are you driving? <laughs> I have one more tough question. And then I, I do want to switch it over to what motivates marketers at some point. But if you're a marketer and you do work with someone who's money motivated, because I think if it's someone who's team motivated, it's pretty easy to understand how to communicate them. Like, this is well, ensure long-term success if you have a good brand, yada, yada. But if there are going to be people who are money motivated, like how as a marketer can you best work with them, maybe get them to do things, even if it's a little extra work that isn't directly tied to their comp? So I, I, this is a big question, right? And, and arguments start. What I recommended, I, I heard from Dave Kellogg is go to that conversation with data, you know, primary data, empirical data, tell a data-driven story, how this will help you make more money and try to get emotion out of it. Emotions are so hard to, to remove, but try to have an objective conversation. And, you know, sales, we... We know numbers, right? We know data. It's counting money. You know, if you could say with this, hey, this is going to help us, that's positive. Now, sometimes I spoke with someone recently and leadership came up and they looked at the data and they did something that's going to hurt a lot of sales, but they're doing that for strategic reasons. That's something you have to be careful with too is, you know, if you're going to upset sales, it's okay. Just you got to tell them, you got to be upfront with them. Hey, this is this is why we got to think we're, we're doing this and it's going to upset some sales. Be straight with that. But yeah, bring data. I actually think that figuring out a way to work really closely with a salesperson who's money motivated is actually probably one of the easiest relationships to manage. Just don't overthink it. It's very simplistic. Like if you're working with a sales rep who's money motivated or your sales leader who is, get them gift cards all the time. Hey, what like Ben, your favorite company is Adidas, Lululemon. Like, hey, thanks so much for partnering me with on this podcast. Here's a $100 Lulu gift card. Like just, it's pretty easy to make them happy. Just get them a bunch of gift cards, um, you know, send them nice things or whatever it is once in a while. So I actually think motivating or working with somebody rather who's money motivated is oftentimes maybe a little bit more cut and dry than someone who's really stimulated by um, growth outside of like just their role or who wants to take on like additional responsibilities. Like those are the types of people we're looking for at Nevada, but it's actually sometimes more difficult to figure out like, are you stimulated? Are you excited about your path at Nevada versus like, Hey, you closed a big deal. Here's like a $50 Uber Eats gift card. Keeps them happy. So I'm, I'm going to push back on that because some of the compensation levels are so high. <laughs> you're, you're saying, that's true. Hey, here's a hundred dollar gift card. And they're like, we're talking about 10 K this is going to cost me. So, you know, like it's the gift card program is always surprised me who responds to them. But you know, you sometimes I'm like, this guy makes 
300K a year and he makes 200K in options a year. It goes back to money. And you're right, Ben, like other personalities to be much more challenging, right? Like the, the one who's very accomplishment focused. That's another thing, like sales doesn't say, hey, good job a lot. Like, you know, sometimes that can really motivate people to say, hey, that was a really good job or you handled that well. I had a manager at Metadata, Clay, and big deal was like getting it through the finish line. CMO was going to come on and say, I don't know about this. We knew all that. And before the call, this is towards the end of the quarter, I said, hey, you did everything right. You did everything you were supposed to do and could have done. And that was just kind of like, like I could go into that meeting and be like, hey, yeah, let's, let's get this. And we got it. And I asked the hard questions and I did my pre-research. I went on Facebook and saw they had kids. And, and then um, I had another <laughs> leader who slacked me. If we don't get this deal, we're effed. And it was right, the, right before meeting with the CRO. And the CRO was a very, let's just say shrewd, you know, he was white knuckled. So, you know, telling sales they've done a good job can, that, that for me, that was always great to hear personally. I know I alluded to this before, but I feel like we've talked about like, you know, sales, typical motivation, stereotypical is money. I would just love to hear what you all think of marketing. It's like, again, we could be a little more like stereotypical motivation because yeah. especially Dean, well, both of you now have been selling to marketers for a little while. I've sold to marketers most of my career, <laughs> going back like 15 years plus now. Uh, so I want to go first, Ben. So I've been thinking about this and I think marketers like to create, right? They like to build something knowing that it's going to help the team or get to a goal. And that ability to create is important to them. You know, it's almost like building a puzzle or a sandcastle or whatever it might be. And that's that logic to it is very exciting. And they, they like having that, that outcome too. And that's what I, I, I kind of get. Not all marketers are equal, right? There's different, tons of different marketing roles, you know, AR, PR, corporate comms. But I do think they all like working on creating something that's going to have a positive outcome. Yeah. What do I think motivates marketers? Well, first and foremost, I think oftentimes, maybe definitely not at Nevatic, but like at other organizations, when I think about like all hands meetings or anything like that, I feel like marketers kind of get swept under the rug a lot and don't get a lot of recognition because in a lot of ways, they're not necessarily tied to a direct revenue number like other revenue driven teams. I know marketers will object to that. I'm just speaking in generalities here, but like you don't have an official necessarily like quota or target over your head. And so I think a lot of the work that you all do sometimes is viewed through the lens of just like, yeah, that's what we expect versus, wow, that was really, really special and creative. And also, I think to your point, Natalie, we talk about this a lot, but a salesperson's calendar or like a customer success person's calendar, it's really easy to pull that up and understand like, oh yeah, D's grinding today. He's got like five different uh, net new calls, discovery calls, or like a POC kickoff, whatever that may be. Like you might pull up a marketer's calendar and you might not see a whole lot of meetings. And so you're just like between the no quota and like maybe not as packed of a calendar as the salespeople, I think you can just sort of assume like, what the hell are they even doing? But what you don't really understand is all the thought that goes into it, all the different iterations, Natalie, like you alluded to. And so if I were a marketer, I think what would motivate me is just like a constant, I guess, just like awareness and appreciation for all of the things that we do. And also if you are at a sales team that is extremely successful and especially a sales team that is very inbound heavy, if yeah. you are not extremely grateful and thankful and vocal to your marketing team for the work that they're doing, then you are extremely selfish and short-sighted on like where you think that comes from. So I think just like constant shout outs and appreciation for the work that you all do is probably something that organizations could do a little bit better of. So yeah, you guys are honestly both spot on, which I want this to be like big reveal. I think things I was thinking about beforehand was like creativity. I think creativity in a lot of different senses. Like, yes, if you create a great brand campaign, that's awesome. 
I was actually at a pop-up today for Lattice. They did like a truck in New York that was this whole idea of combining two different things. And they had like mochi donuts, just like an HR, like working better together. It's really cute, creative. And I could tell that like the whole team was proud of it. But it doesn't have to be just something brand related. Like when I was more on the op side, if I came up with like a really good Zapier workflow, which sounds so lame, or like a really good HubSpot dashboard, that was a creative way to solve it. That also really, like if someone noticed it, like that also was really motivating. So I think just thinking outside the box and getting recognition for it. But also, Ben, if I think to your point of like, in full honesty, why am I growth now and my background's marketing? Because I thought growth would have a better seat at the table than a marketer. Growth gets to lean more into different parts of the organization. Everything revolves around growth, right? Like there's nothing where you can say like, oh, growth doesn't need to be part of that conversation because most things revolve around growing the company. So I do think marketers are really motivated by we're kind of sick and tired of not getting a seat at the table and wanting that recognition. I couldn't agree more. It's changed for the better. It's still a ways to go. When I would meet with marketers, I would always acknowledge their work and you know, say, hey, your job is hard. Because I don't think they hear that a lot. It's hard and not everybody has resources. Like sometimes you need thinking time, right? I don't think like sales is like, we're just always on the go, but sometimes you need thinking time. And, you know, Modigi, I've started doing more marketing just because, you know, there's no one else to do it and it's good for brand, you know, all the other reasons. It's hard, right? To do it good, it's hard. Like, I don't care if I do it good, I'm a salesperson, but it also does, you know, it is fun, right? Like it is, hey, we're, you know, we're updating our website. It looks awesome. And a lot of the tips came from me and they're executing and, you know, we've created content and, you know, we're creating plays and got the team thinking and it's like, it does, yeah, it candidly feels good, but yeah, it's hard. It's long nights, right? It's, it's writing, it's putting decks together. It's looking at data, you know, data is still such a big part of it. And, you know, you, Natalie, you, you go to events we met at B2BMX, you know, we'll meet next Monday. I think we'll run into each other. That takes work too. I think one thing that can be difficult about marketing that maybe is a little different than other roles is it can be incredibly context switching, which can be very hard. Like one moment working on Google ads, which is like very monotonous, like a lot of looking at data. And then the next moment, like jumping on a webinar where you promote yourself and do thought leadership and talk about a cool strategy. Like it is just a lot of like moving your brain back and forth between two different parts. And I think every role has this, but I think because marketing used to be traditionally so creative and then became so data oriented. And now you just have to do both. That could be something that I don't know, could just make your marketers definitely frustrated, especially if people don't realize of like, no, I am not just doing, you know, website redesigns. I'm also doing all these other things. So as a, as a third party, right? Like not, a, not someone on your team, not someone trying to sell to you, you know, a friend or, you know what I mean? Somebody who, who came across an ad, like, what could you say something to a marketer that would be nice? A way to appreciate their work that would be nice. Two different ways. One is just like, is it unique, right? Like, I love even D your comment about the webinar I just did, the fact that like it really stood out. Like that meant more to me than if you're like you presented well, your data was accurate, the fact that it did stand out. But two, this sounds really dumb, but it accomplished the goal at hand. So if you are being advertised to and you're like, oh, that ad really made me wanna, you know, watch that webinar or do that next step, like it's actually a lot harder, the channel goal copy alignment, like making sure all those fit. And you can tell when the, like a campaign really works and it does all fit. And marketers love to hear like, okay, back to your point about the puzzle pieces. That was awesome. Like all my puzzle pieces fit together perfectly this time. Because a lot of times it doesn't and that's okay. And that's why we do retrospectives and figure out why the puzzle pieces didn't fit together. That's awesome. Ben, what, because I'm trying to think and like, I don't, I don't manage a big team. 
like Ben, what what works for motivating your team? You know, when you have to get everybody excited about the last month of the quarter, which we're on. You know, especially working remote, how do you get everybody pumped? <laughs> yeah, I think what I would stay away from as a sales leader is to think that you can approach motivation the same every single time. Like there have been times it's only happened like once or twice at Nevada where I really felt like I had to, and I did give my team like a kick in the ass because I felt like they needed it. We've been fortunate enough to never miss a target at Nevada, but at the same time we have extremely high standards. So like the couple of quarters where we only hit like 102% or 101% and got there in like the last week of the quarter, like that's not good enough. That's not the standard we have here. So like there are certain circumstances where it does make sense to like give your team that firm kick in the ass. But at the same time, like we actually just had a, our sales team meeting today and uh, we're pacing pretty well for the quarter so far, but we also understand that things get harder and harder every single day we get closer to the holidays. But at the same time, like our pipeline is in a really, really good spot. I know my team is working super hard. They're doing everything they can to drive urgency. So like today would have been a really, really bad time for me to like go very firm and stern with my team versus just having a very honest conversation and reminding them of things that they already know. So to answer your question around how to motivate the team, you have to be very in touch with the pulse of your team at that time as a sales leader, right? So you can't just always like rule with an iron fist and you also can't just be like blowing smoke at them every single time you're trying to motivate them. You have to have a strong pulse on what your team needs at that time because the quickest way to lose your team is to address them in a way that they were not ready for or that wasn't really appropriate or didn't really read the room well. So I think for me, it's just a constant pulse check on how everybody's doing individually and then aggregate that to figure out where the team is at um, and then address it accordingly. But I try to stick away from like every time I need to vote about your team, I'm going to do the same thing every single time. Because also if you do the same thing every time, it'll just eventually fall on deaf ears. Yeah. I love that, man. As a rep that every week we'd get the football raw raw speech. Yeah. I yearn for a Bill Belichick approach where we like, it is what it is, you know, so that you know that, Hey, sometimes the team might need a little motivation, but you can also address that. That's such a powerful, powerful thing. We're all motivated differently. And you have to earn that too. You have to earn that with your team. You have to develop strong relationships with them so that I can go up to anybody on my team and love on them super, super, super hard. But then I also have to be able to give them a kick in the ass. So you need to make sure that you're balancing that relationship and you're earning that trust and respect so that when we do have to have those really exciting um, pump up conversations, it goes well. And when we have to have those stern or difficult conversations, they all know it's coming from the same place, which is we want to win here. The ultimate goal on our team is to win. And that's where anything I deliver to my team is coming from. But you can't do that blindly and without putting the time in first and like developing those relationships. Curious, especially in the remote world, as you said, how do you find out what motivates someone? Like, do you just ask? Is there a secret sauce that you have? Like, how can we uncover this faster so that we can better as a marketer, you know, work towards what motivates the salesperson and vice versa? You know, the hope is during the interview process, you're able to find some of that out and you're able to understand personalities quickly, you know, who's being proactive, who's reaching out, who's asking for help, who's a self-starter. And you also have to see what they kind of respond to, I would say. So, you know, is it responding to getting the quota? Is it, you know, how do they respond to clients? You know, if, if there's some, you know, a learning, are they the first on it? Or are they up every day at eight doing outbound researching or getting on calls? You know, it's, it's tough. I don't really have an answer for that, Ben. I think for me as a sales leader, if you want to figure out what motivates your team, if you want to develop a better relationship with them, to me, you have to go first as a sales leader. So what that means is be vulnerable with your team first before being like, why the hell did you lose that deal D 
share with the team. Ah, oh, I lost a super competitive deal to one of our biggest competitors that I really thought that I should win, would have win. It would have been an awesome win for Nevada. And I lost that deal. Here's why I really pissed off about it. That's my bad team. Like that one's on me or telling my team like, Hey, this really, really motivates me. I need X, Y, Z to be happy with my work-life balance. So, you know, please respect this scheduling or how I prefer to run my day. Tell me about yours though. What do you prefer? So like going first, breaking that ice, I guess, if you will, I think if you are vulnerable and you kind of go first with your team, then they're like, oh, okay, my guard's down. Like Ben just told me what really motivates him, what really pisses him off, or like he just lost that big deal. It's okay if I tell him about this one that I'm struggling with, like just go first. Yeah, that that authenticity and vulnerability. I had a manager, if he sees this, he'll know who he was. He used to ask, started recalling me like, hey, how you doing? You know, to me being in sales, I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? What is this? And then I had another manager a long time ago and he was the first manager who would like, let's talk through this, you know, let's come up with some ideas. And it was just so refreshing and that really accelerated my career. And he would, like you said, Ben, he would share some stories. Well, I did this with this client. I'm like, you know, it's just amazing. Uh, the coaching that I got, which wasn't there before. Dia, do you really like your point though, of like, you have to see how they respond. Cause I think especially someone newer in their career might not even know what motivates them, right? Cause no one wants to say their money, well, maybe, no problem if you do want to say your money motivated, but I think most people love to believe we're motivated off of like my love for the company or my love of doing hard work. But even for me, that question about what motivates marketers, like it, it took me a few years to recognize that's what actually what motivated me. So I think it, yes, asking, obviously, and I love Ben's point of like giving first before asking, but I think also watching then because we're not always as uh, self-aware as we think we are. Well, don't know how this all flew by so fast, but it did. Any final thoughts on motivating marketing or sales? Yeah, yeah. So we, we work remote now. Personalities are different. And you alluded to this, Ben, you know, being uh, vulnerable. So if sales comes to you, right, just once, it's like, hey, you know, we're struggling with this. Don't get defensive, right? Talk about it and say, hey, let me see what I can do and vice versa. So marketing, you know, marketing comes to sales and says, hey, these leads should be closing. They're not closing. Don't get defensive. Talk through it. Discuss it. Look at the data. And then come up with a way to help. Uh, there's nothing worse than someone being vulnerable and you shutting them down. So that's that's what I recommend. Uh, we're not sitting next to each other. Acknowledge how hard their job is and then offer to help. Because it doesn't take that much help. If they're asking for help every day, that's a different problem. But if they ask you for help once in a while, help. And I'm sure you all do that too. Like there's got to be, you all have to have a bunch of stories like, hey, I'm struggling with this or, you know, what's going on here. And I just, I see you go on the video all the time. And I just know there's open exchange of, Hey, let's look at it. Let's figure it out. No, we secretly fight all the time. That's why we made the podcast. <laughs> that could be true too. <laughs> we pull it together for an hour on Thursdays. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, any final thoughts? Uh, you get what you give. If you're motivated by um, shout outs, by people offering to help by whatever it is, give it first. Yeah, put it out there. If you want more shout outs and those things make you feel good, chances are they probably make other people feel good too. So you get what you give and start dishing it out. And I'm sure you're going to see results coming back in your way. Cool. Well, this was some awesome advice. Hopefully everyone understands their counterpart a little bit better, can work better with them. Hey, should we share drinks real quick? So I just said my Coke Zero today, <laughs> or else I'd fall asleep. I've got a Heffenweizen beer that I picked up from Trader Joe's earlier today. Very nice. I went back to that drink I drank on the first episode, which was like a cucumber mojito. But we were chatting so much that I realized I've just like forgotten to drink it. So awesome, guys. 
<laughs> Maybe next time I'll actually think of a new drink and drink it. Stay hydrated. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve.